0: Children, uh, kindergarten to third grade, they can go to children's church uh, with Miss Melody out the back. For the rest of you, you are once again stuck with me. Uh, well, welcome to Living Hope Church. Uh, welcome to Living Hope Online. We're glad you're here uh, this morning. Today we are wrapping up our series on the core values of our church and what we believe God is calling us to as a church, but also as families and individual Christians. Those are the four words you see in our lobby. They are serve, share, strengthen, and And sinned, and so during the first week, we looked at the value of servanthood and the life of service that Jesus calls every follower to. From there, we looked at the importance of sharing your faith with others. Servanthood allows us uh, allows people to see Jesus in us, but they also must hear the hope of the gospel in order to respond and hear and know of Jesus. And then last week, we looked at strengthening and how we as a church desire to see believers strengthened in their faith so they can be sent. But we are not just strengthened at church or in our Bible readings or in our quiet time for intellectual assent or to check religious boxes, but we are, we are strengthened to be sent. We are strengthened so that we better understand the forgiveness we have in Jesus, so that we better understand his sacrifice, so that we grow closer to him. And all of that should motivate us to live our lives sent for him, live lives that sacrifice for others, that leverage our lives for others, that consistently share the hope of Jesus with others. We are strengthened to give God glory with our lives and to make him known to an unbelieving world. We are strengthened to be sent out to serve and share the hope of Jesus. The great English uh, preacher Charles Spurgeon said, If Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep your good news to yourself. You will be whispering it into your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love for you. The idea of being sent isn't reserved just for missionaries and pastors with degrees. As followers of Jesus, as forgiven, adopted sons and daughters of the king, we are all sent out to share the hope of Jesus with the world. And Spurgeon's point is here is is that when we understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us, then out of gratitude and love for Jesus, it should lead us to give our lives back to him. We ought to be so grateful for what Jesus has done for us and the life he has given us that we can't help but give our lives back to him. So that doesn't mean we all need to quit our jobs and become missionaries or pastors, no. But what this means is that your job, your hobbies, your friendships, where you live isn't just something you do to earn a paycheck, but instead it's an, it's an opportunity of divine and inter, eternal importance. When you live sent, you understand that God has sovereignly placed you where you are with a purpose to be a light and to share the hope of the gospel with those around you. As a follower of Jesus, you are his light, his messenger to your neighborhood, to your workplace, to your gym, the softball field, your school, your coffee shop, your job, whatever it is. You have been saved and you are being strengthened and grown in Christ to be a light to be sent out each week to share the hope of Jesus where you are. And this is so amazing because it gives everything we do a purpose. You're not just a teacher, a coach, a miner, a McDonald's cook, a homemaker, a doctor, a nurse. You are a sent vessel of hope and light to wherever it is that God has placed you. You have been saved and you are being strengthened to be sent each and every day to share the hope of Jesus with those around you. This is how the early church spread. This was a command given to them by Jesus The message and hope of Jesus was spread through through God's power and ordinary men and women whose lives had been transformed in Jesus, and they had to share the hope they had. And that's what we're going to read today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1 in the first eight verses. And in these verses, we are going to see the final words of Jesus to his followers. And it's these final words that set the trajectory and the mission for the early church. And it's these final words that still set the trajectory and the mission for the global church as well as the local church today. It's these final words of Jesus that send us as a church and us as believers out each and every day to proclaim the good news of Jesus to our community, our region, and ultimately to the world. So we're in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Luke writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for your word, Lord, and we pray that as we, as we study it, uh, that you would just open our eyes and our hearts uh, to your message for us today. God, we thank you that we have been saved through your grace. Lord, we thank you that we have been saved through your sacrifice and that you offer life and forgiveness and eternal life to anyone that will turn and trust in you. God, I pray there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, that you would work in their hearts and that they would trust you with their lives today. But God, we also thank you that we are not just saved to be saved, but we are saved with a purpose and with a mission. And God, I pray today as we study your word, that you would open our hearts and our minds to help us just better understand our own salvation. But in that, as we understand our salvation, the life you've given us, Lord, that you would burden us for your mission, for for your call, which is to proclaim your name uh, to the world around us. God, we pray that you would uh, embolden us today, that you would give us courage to be sent out to share your hope with the world. God, we love you. Uh, We praise you. We thank you for for our forgiveness, Lord, and we thank you for the mission you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen. So the first thing I I want us to see in this passage is we're going to talk about being sent, but we are sent because of the gospel. We're sent because of the gospel. We see that in the first three verses Luke writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the days he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom. Of God, So to begin with, Luke is saying here that in the first book I wrote, which is now in the Bible, is the book of Luke, I laid out the story of Jesus. I laid out who Jesus was, the hope of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. And having laid out the gospel or the good news of Jesus, this second book he writes, the book of Acts, is going to show us how the gospel impacts people's lives. It's because of the gospel, it's because of Jesus and his sacrifice that the book of Acts unfolds. If we don't have that as our foundation, then it doesn't make any sense. He echoes that, but not by only pointing to the book of Luke, but reminding us of what Jesus taught, of his sacrifice, and the reality that he rose from the dead, and that he convincingly presented himself to the disciples for 40 days. Paul says over 500 people saw him and witnessed him in those 400 days. And the reality is that the men and women in the book of Acts, they had seen Jesus with their own eyes. They had seen Jesus die, and they had seen Jesus after he rose from the grave. This concrete reality in their life made them willing to give up their lives, to give up their everything to make him known to the world. They were so convinced that Jesus was the hope of their friends, family, community, and the nations that they gave their all to make sure that as many as possible heard of Jesus and the hope available in him. They had this conviction that Jesus had died for sinners. They were convinced that he wasn't just another prophet with another religious message, but he was God himself on a rescue mission to give his life for them. They were convinced that we as people had had crucified him because we are a rebellious people. Yet they were also believed in the universe's greatest irony that our murder, mankind's murder of Jesus, became his sacrificial death, and it was the payment that God accepted for our sins, if we would acknowledge and receive that. They were convinced, because they had seen it with their own eyes, that Jesus had risen from the dead. This proved to them beyond any doubt that Jesus was who He said he was. The disciples, the early church, understood that if this were true, this thing that they had seen, that this was the greatest act of grace and the greatest act of love that the world had ever seen. God, the creator, had come and died for his rebellious children, and they understood that if this was true, it was the most important message ever because it was the only means of salvation and forgiveness of sin for a sinful mankind. It was the only way that mankind could be made right with God, and they knew that it was the hope of those they loved and the hope of the nations. In Jesus, in his teachings, in his death, in his resurrection, they had seen a God so valuable, so full of love, that they believed wholeheartedly he was worth giving their lives for, so that he would be glorified, and as many as possible would know the hope and forgiveness available in him. The early church gave their lives to make him known. When they were dragged before the Sanhedrin, when they were beaten for their beliefs, when they stood before angry mobs ready to stone them. They didn't recount their faith, but instead they preached Jesus. They were so convinced of that which they believed that they gave their lives. They believed the gospel was so valuable, and they were so convinced that Jesus was the hope of the nations, that they didn't recount their faith, but instead preached Jesus as they took their last breaths. They were so convinced of the gospel, the testimony of Jesus, and that that, that he was the only means of salvation that they gave their lives to make him known. They lived their lives sent to share the gospel because they had seen Jesus and they believed he was the only hope of their friends and neighbors and community in the nations. So they gave their lives to proclaim him. So the question for us today and for us as a church is, do you believe in the gospel? Do you believe that Jesus is the hope of you and the hope of the nations and the hope of your friends and neighbors? Are you convinced of the gospel? And if the answer is yes, then how can you not live sent? How can you not share if you are convinced that the gospel, that Jesus is the only hope for your friends, your family and community? If you're convinced that he is the only hope, then how can you not share? We are saved for the purpose of bringing God glory by making him known. We're strengthened, like we talked about last week, to be reminded of the truth of the gospel, to be convinced of the gospel, to be reminded of who Jesus is, and then encouraged to go back out and share that hope. Sunday morning, small groups, Bible study, the strengthening, it's like the the pregame locker room speech. It reminds us of our purpose. It reminds us of our game plan. It reminds us of the importance of the gospel. It leaves us encouraged to go storm the field and win the game. But a game has never been won in the locker room. It's won on the field. In the same way, we don't exist to gather in the locker room, to gather at church and be inspired and to, to feel warm feelings. We exist to be sent to our community, our family, our friends, and the nations to share the hope of Jesus with an unknowing world. Because we are convinced... That he is the only hope of forgiveness, the only hope of salvation, the only hope of eternal lives for ourselves and also for others. The disciples in the early church were convinced and they were captured by the message of Jesus. And they gave their lives to share it. Are you convinced and captured by Jesus? The answer is yes. and There is no other option than to be sent and to give your life to share it with as many as possible. Are you convinced and captured by the gospel? So the first point is we are sent because of the gospel. Jesus, the gospel, is the reason that we give up our lives to share that hope with others. That is our foundation. So so first and foremost, you have to be a believer. You have to trust in Jesus. And if you believe in Jesus and you trust in Jesus, then you are sent to share that hope. The second thing that we see here is that we are not sent alone, but we are sent empowered. Right before we get the Great Commission, Jesus promises the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus gave the disciples, and he gives us here this this extraordinary task of spreading the greatest news ever, but he says we are not sent alone, but instead we are sent under the power of the Holy Spirit. We are equipped, we are empowered with the power of God to go and be witnesses. I heard one pastor say of this this section of scripture, never had a more important assignment been given to a less qualified group of people. You see, these disciples, these these people were not the cream of the crop from the world's perspective. The disciples, the early church, were normal people. Many were blue-collar fishermen. Some were hated tax collectors. They were regular people, yet God empowered them and used them to reach the nations. In the same way, we often feel like we're not qualified or equipped to share the hope of Jesus with others. But the promise here and throughout the New Testament is that if we are followers of Jesus, if we have trusted Jesus with our lives, then we have been equipped with the Holy Spirit to make Jesus known. The Holy Spirit empowers, convicts, equips, and gives the wisdom necessary for each and every Christian to be a witness for Jesus. We are not sent alone, but we are sent empowered for the mission. So I want to spend just a couple minutes talking about the implication, uh, implications of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life as we live sent for the mission of God. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 4-5, Paul writes this. He says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. So the first thing we see is that the Holy Spirit provides us with conviction in our faith. The Holy Spirit confirms our belief in Jesus with certainty and confidence. So when we are given the Holy Spirit, we can proclaim the good news of Jesus with confidence to the world. Because the Holy Spirit is moving in us, because he is transforming us, because we can look back in our lives and see the change. Because of how we see the Holy Spirit's transformation in our lives, we can know we are saved and we can proclaim Jesus not as a maybe, but we can proclaim Jesus and His salvation to the world with certainty, with confidence and with conviction. Two weeks ago, during this share sermon, we talked about sharing your story of faith. Your story of faith and your story of the, the change that has taken place in you provides credibility to the gospel, and it should embolden your confidence and conviction in the gospel message. Jesus has changed you. You have experienced that change firsthand. Now we are sent to share that good news with confidence and conviction that Jesus is the hope of our friends, families, and neighbors. And we share that hope with confidence and conviction because he is transforming us, he has saved us, and we believe he is the only source of salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life for those around us. The next thing the Holy Spirit provides us with as we are sent is self-denying courage and boldness. The greatest thing that keeps us from sharing the good news of Jesus uh, is fear. Fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of ridicule, fear of social isolation, fear of you fill in the blank. We fear that something might come about that will hurt ourself. And we talked about this in the share sermon following the, the Penn Gillette video. Uh, an atheist and he said how much would a christian have to hate someone to not share this message if we believe that it is true and it's the only source of eternal life and yet it's fear that so often stops us from sharing but when the holy spirit falls upon you in power your witness to jesus comes with with self-denying courage and boldness acts 431 says and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 7-8, God does not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Do not be ashamed, then, of testifying to our Lord, but take your share of suffering for the gospel and the power of God. So where does boldness and courage come to, come, uh, to share your faith? It comes from the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Where does courage to suffer for Christ come from? It comes from the power of God, the spirit of power. So to reach this city and to reach the world with the gospel, we must have courage and boldness that is willing to sacrifice self and put aside our fears for the sake of the gospel. And that kind of sacrifice is made possible by the Holy Spirit, which acts assures us we already have if we are a follower of Jesus. We are empowered with God's power and his presence. Trust in that and speak with his boldness and courage. But the the fear is real though, isn't it? And so when the fear comes, when it arises in you, and you begin to talk yourself out of sharing or serving somebody, remind yourself of the Spirit's power. Remind yourself of the life and change you've experienced in the gospel. Remind yourself of the hope of Jesus. Remind yourself of the urgency of the task. And remind yourself of God's promises in the midst of your fears. God does not give us a spirit of timidity, but instead he's given us a spirit of love that is not ashamed of the gospel, but instead boldly and courageously proclaims the words of life to the world around us. The third thing the Holy Spirit empowers us with is his wisdom. It empowers us with his wisdom. In Acts 6-5, Luke tells us that Stephen was chosen as a deacon because he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 says that he was full of grace and power and did wonders and signs among the people. Then in verse 10, Luke tells us about Stephen's witness to the Jews from Alexandria and Cilicia and Asia. He says they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit in which he spoke. The Holy Spirit provides us with wisdom of when to speak. It provides us with wisdom of what words to speak. It provides us with wisdom of when to listen and when to serve and when to just give a hug. I know there have been many times in my life where I've been in a situation or a conversation. I knew that God was calling me to say something or to act in some way. And in those times, we have a choice to follow the Holy Spirit's leading or not. But the confidence here is that when we do follow through, we can trust that God will provide the words and the wisdom we need to faithfully share. If the Spirit leads, He will give us His wisdom. We don't need another tool, another training, another class to share the gospel. What we need is the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit moves, don't shy away in fear, but boldly proclaim trusting that he will provide all that you need. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit empowers us with confidence. The Holy Spirit empowers us, the believers, with confidence because the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf and the Holy Spirit calls others to salvation. Our responsibility, our burden is not to save those around us, but to share and to faithfully proclaim the good news and trust that salvation to God. Romans 8, 26 through 27 reads, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what, to, what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit, The Holy Spirit intercedes in our prayers even when we don't have the words. Our call is to pray faithfully for those around us and for God to accomplish his purposes. The Holy Spirit does a lot of things in the book of Acts. But the primary thing the Spirit does over and over is empower and equip believers to share with others about Jesus. This should fill us with confidence. Because the salvation of our friends does not rest on the eloquence of our words. Instead, we trust the results to God. And when you read the book of Acts, you see God use some pretty regular men and some pretty regular women like you and me to transform the world. What set them apart was not their ability, but their boldness to share and their confidence in the gospel. And as Romans 1 reminds us, it is the gospel that has the power of salvation. So as we are sent out from this church each Sunday, we are sent out empowered with the Holy Spirit and emboldened in our confidence because God, Is the one who saves i love this saying it says there are two convictions of the effective witness one that the spirit of god is constantly at work around you and working in people's lives god is moving in the people's lives around you and then number two that the spirit of god uses you and i to speak the word of god that's it our job is to speak and to trust that god is moving You have been saved if you are a follower of Jesus. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. How can you not share Jesus with those around you who are in desperate need of him? But It goes back to, are you convinced of the gospel? Are you convinced of the gospel? Are you convinced of your salvation and who Jesus is? Are you convinced that he is the only hope of your friends and your neighbors and your family? And if so, are you willing to yield your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit? So where does he send us? Here's what Jesus says as he leaves the disciples. He says, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So where are we sent? The first place that Jesus calls the disciples to go to is Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where they are. It's their home. It's their city. It's the people that they already know. And Jesus calls them to go and reach your people. Go and reach your city. Go and reach Jerusalem. I like think this is a fairly easy connection. But when we read go to Jerusalem, this is the call to reach our city, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, those we recreate with. The first place that we are called to take the gospel to is Green River. That is the primary mission field for most of us. This is where God has strategically placed us. And it's the primary mission field for our church because this is where we are. This is where we spend the majority of our time. We are sent to our Jerusalem, we are sent to our city. We talked about it last week, but we gather each week to be strengthened, encouraged, to be reminded of God's faithfulness. And then we are sent out to reach our city, our Jerusalem, with the good news of Jesus. We are sent out to share with our friends, family, and others the hope of Jesus. Jesus who loves them so much that he gave his life so they didn't have to. And instead he offers them eternal life and forgiveness in him. And we do this by loving those around us, by serving them as we talked about a few weeks ago. And we do this by sharing the hope of Jesus with them. Each and every week, we want you to be reminded that you are sent on mission to your neighborhood, to your home, and to your workplace. To share the hope of Jesus with those around you. You are chosen. You are empowered vessels of hope to share the good news with those around you. Your life, workplace, recreational activities, they have purpose and a mission. And that purpose and mission is to make Jesus known. The Great Commission here, which is uh, Acts 1-8, to be Jesus' witnesses, gives everything we do purpose and mission. Even if your job is cleaning toilets at taco time, you can do that with purpose and mission because God absolutely can use that and desires to use that position and those relationships to accomplish the task of seeing dead people come to life, of seeing those without hope find hope in Him. You are sent we as a church are sent, and we are sent with the greatest news ever to share with those we know and love here in Green River. We talked about this a lot in the servant, Servanthood Sermon, but we do this corporately at times together. But we also do this each and every week as we are sent out as individual and familial lights to our community. We are not a people that exists to be gathered, but we are a people that exists to be sent as Jesus' witnesses to Green River. And we'll talk about beyond. You are where you are for a purpose. God desires to use you to share the hope of Jesus and to change the eternal destiny of those around you. Each day you live has eternal implications. You are empowered with the Holy Spirit. And so the challenge is to leave here each week empowered and emboldened to share the hope of Jesus with those around you. And our prayer is that as we leave and share, many lives would find hope forgiveness and see their eternal destiny changed in our community so jesus calls the disciples to go and be his witnesses in jerusalem but then he expands that to judea and samaria and while jerusalem represented the city uh the city judea and samaria expanded their influence to the region in which they lived so for us here in green river it would be expanding the call to wyoming or perhaps the mountain west And so while our call is to reach our city, we also want to be a church that is involved in seeing Wyoming and the Mountain West reached for Jesus. So I I want to first share with you a few ways that we are already doing this and some ways um, that you also allow me to do this uh, across our state. One of the ways that we are already doing this as a church is through our our, our finances. When you give to our church, we send 10% of all of our local giving onto our state and national convention. And that supports international uh, mission efforts, which we'll talk about in a bit, but also statewide mission efforts through the U.S. and specifically here in Wyoming. So if you give to our church, then you are already giving uh, to support church planting uh, efforts and gospel advancement in Wyoming. Another way you can support Wyoming church planting and gospel advancement is through prayer. Uh, Each Sunday, we take time to pray uh, for something that God is doing across our state and across our world. Uh, most often it is churches and church plants here in Wyoming. And so I would encourage you to take notes during that time and to begin praying during the week for the churches and church plants of our state. Another way we do this is by, by serving other churches in our state and region. Uh, this summer we took a mission trip and we hosted VBS for a vacation Bible school uh, for children and for Fellowship Baptists in the community of LaBarge uh, just north of us. That was an opportunity to invest in a sister church, uh, to invest in the community of Labarge, and to invest in our uh, Samaria. And so we pray that we will have future opportunities to serve in similar ways, but that's a way that you can get involved uh, in reaching our Judea and Samaria with the gospel. In addition, whether uh, you know it or not, and you might not want to do this, but you do, you afford me the opportunity to serve in a variety of roles within the state, helping to strengthen churches across our state. Uh, I serve on our state executive board. I help in a a variety of church planting and fundraising roles. And I've recently taken on the role of evangelism catalyst for the western half of our state. And that's a fancy title, but it's a role that allows me to meet with churches, to help them analyze their community outreach and evangelism strategies, and then to help them develop new ideas and new funds for engaging their community with the hope of Jesus. So thank you for the privilege of supporting and assisting churches in our region. So the disciples, they're called to be witnesses in their city, in their region, and then to the ends of the earth. And as a church, we are called to be witnesses in our city, in our region, and then to see the name of Jesus spread to the nations. So the final place we are called to be witnesses is to the world. We are called to be witnesses to the nations. Much like with our region, we are already partnering in ways to see Jesus spread to the nation. Like with our region, when you give to our church, you give to support missionaries all across our world through the International Mission Board. For the last few years, we have uh, supported missions above and beyond what we give to the IMB. We have directly supported Mike McCoy and his ministry in London and across Europe. So again, if you give to our church, you are directly supporting Mike's ministry in London and across Europe. Another opportunity we have to give and to support uh, missions is through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is a uh, kind of a one-time special offering we take every year around Christmas. And every dollar you give to that offering goes directly to, mini- to missionaries and their ministry. Um, God has blessed many in our community, in our church with an abundance. And so for, for you, maybe God is calling you to give uh, part of your bonus or to give your bonus or to give sacrificially towards the cause of seeing the nations reached. Um, The IMB, uh, which is who we give through, has a really easy website uh, that you can give through directly at any time of the year, or you can put it in the the box on the back table and write IMB on it, and every dollar will go straight to seeing the gospel spread around the world. But not only do we engage as a church through giving, but we also engage uh, with Mike by regularly praying for him and his family and his ministry there in Europe. Uh, We've been trying for three or four years to one day go and visit him and support him on location. Uh, But with COVID, that hasn't happened uh, and still seems to likely be a couple of years off. But we continue to pray and prepare uh, about going. So we can pray. Uh, David Platt said this. He said, God commands us to pray for all kinds of people. So pray for Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists. Pray for this nationality and this nationality and this nationality. Pray for this people group and this people group. May there be a picture of diversity in our praying for people where we live and for people around the world. To embrace all kinds of people in the world in our praying. The Joshua Project is a a website um, and it's a research organization, but it's the foremost expert in unreached people groups and their desire is to see all nations and all people groups reached with the gospel. The Joshua Project estimates that there are still more than 7,000 unreached people groups in the world. And unreached people groups is a group of people with either no believers or so few Christians that they can't reach their own people with the gospel. And so I would encourage you, if you want to pray, to go to their website and pick a people group and start praying for them. Or you can sign up for email updates, and they will send you daily a new people group to pray for each day. But pray for the nations. Pray for God to move. Pray that God would send people to them and for the gospel to advance. Other ways you can pray are just by putting a, a map on your wall or, or getting an atlas atlas, and, and praying for one country each day with your family or with your kids. Or you can get on the IMB prayer app on your phone, and every time you, you start to get on social media, take a few minutes to pray for another people group. Or with your children, read books from other countries, and at the end, pray for the people or that, of that country to know Jesus. Do whatever works for you, but pray for the nation's. 1 Timothy 2, Paul gives instructions to the church and Christians on prayer. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So pray for the nations. And then finally, the, the, the final way you can invest in the nations is to go and to give your life for another people. My prayer is that God would call people from our church to go and give their lives for the gospel in locations where there are few or no Christians and for a people that aren't their own. Our prayer is that God would give us a heart for the nations, a heart to partner, and a heart that some might go. So we are compelled to be witnesses. We are compelled to be sent because of the gospel message. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we are called to leverage our lives to be witnesses where we live, in the region where we live, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, This week is the four-year anniversary of when uh, Living Hope Church launched and began having regular services here in Green River. And this is the, this is the, the paragraph, uh, the, 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 the sentence, and then the, the story that I opened with in that first message. And it was this. Our goal as a church is not that we would be a church and a people that exists for our glory, but that we would be a church and a people that exists for the glory of God, for His story, and for His name to be proclaimed in Green River. Tim Chester, in his book, you can change. He said it this way. I love this. He said, our problem is, is, is that we think of ourselves as being at the center of the world. We think of our lives as a story. And if we're Christians, God is one of the characters in our story. We look for him when we need him. And we expect him to be grateful when we serve him. God is a lovely piece of our story. But we still think of it as our story. But He says it's not our story. It's God's story. And the bigger reality is that that we are there for God. We exist to give Him glory and to make Him known. He then goes on to say, It is so much better to be a minor character in God's story than to write your own script and be the main character in your own story. So friends, as you look at your life, are you living your life for your story? Do you live your life for your glory? Do you live your life for your riches and your prestige? Do you live your life for your comfort and your ease? Are you living for a bigger story? Are you living your life for God's glory and to make him known? That's the call for the Christian. If you are convinced of the gospel, if you believe that it is the hope of every friend, every neighbor, every uh, person on this earth. then the call is to go, to be sent to share that story. As Christians, we exist to be a part of God's story, to invite others to join God's story, and to make his story known to as many as possible. We don't exist for ourselves and for our glory, but we exist with the purpose and the mission to be witnesses for Jesus here in Green River, in our region, and to the ends of the earth. And my prayer for us as individuals and for us as a church is that we would never grow complacent and that we would never exist for our glory. But that we would instead always exist and leverage what we have for the glory of God and to be witnesses to His story. So as we reflect uh, on this call to be sent, as we reflect on this great commission in this passage of Acts 1, 1-8, the first question we have to ask ourselves is, do we know Jesus? Have we ever experienced forgiveness of our sins? Have we ever experienced new life in him? Have we experienced eternal life in him? You can't be sent to share a message until you have experienced it for yourself. So if you're unsure about that, you can can trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now in your seat. You can come and talk with me, and I would love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be forgiven and to experience eternal life in him. And if you are a follower of Jesus, If you are convinced of the gospel, where is it that he is calling you to be sent to? How is he calling you to be sent here in Green River? Where has he placed you in your job or in or in the circles you run? Where has he sent you? Where has he placed you already? That he is calling you to boldly share the hope of Jesus. Where is he giving you influence? Where is he calling you to share? And then how, how is he calling you to change your, your lifestyle from all about my story to his story? How might he be calling you to leverage your life, your talents, your career, your resources for his glory and the advancement of his kingdom and not your own? My prayer for you is that God would give you specific ways and specific answers how he is calling you to live sent. As we think of the nation's. How's he calling you today? Is he calling you to give? Is he calling you to pray? Is he calling you to maybe one day go? How's he calling you to leverage your life so that the nations might know the hope of Jesus? I'm gonna pray for us. As I do, the worship team's gonna come and they'll lead us in a final song. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the hope of the gospel. We thank you for this gospel message. It says that we were sinners far from you with no hope. But you, in your love, sent Jesus to live the perfect, sinless life we could not live. That he willingly went to the cross and gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins. We thank you that he rose victorious over the grave. And we thank you for the assurance and the confidence and the conviction that if we put our faith in him, we are forgiven. We are new people. We are given eternal life in him. And we are empowered with the Holy Spirit. So, God, I pray first and foremost, that there's someone here that doesn't know you in that way, Lord, that you would draw them to you, that they would find their hope in you alone. And, God, I pray for the many here that have likely trusted you as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you would uh, give us conviction and confidence in the gospel, that you would give us assurance of our salvation, Lord, but in that, Lord, that we would be reminded of the reality that you are the hope of every friend and neighbor and coworker we have, and you are the only hope you would give us confidence and conviction that it is the gospel message that has the power of salvation. Because that, Lord, we would be sent and we would boldly and faithfully share the gospel message so that others might find their salvation in you. God, I pray that you would help us to be a people that are just so confident in the gospel that we cannot not share. Lord, you would send us out this week and each week to boldly proclaim your hope where you've sent us. God, that we would see every aspect, every facet of our life is not just coincidence or something mundane that we walk through, Lord. That we would see it with the inter- eternal implications that it, have, that it has and that we would boldly proclaim where you send us. God, we pray that many in our community, in our region, and across the world would find salvation. Would find eternal life in you through our faithful proclamation of your hope. God, we love you, and we praise you. It's your name we pray. Amen.